Welcome to the Discovering Our Scars podcast, where we have honest conversations about things that make us different. I'm Steph. And I'm Beth. I've been in recovery for 14 years and am the author of Discovering My Scars, my memoir about my mental health struggles, experiences, and faith. I'm a lawyer turned pastor who's all about self-awareness and emotional health because I know what it's like to have neither of those things. Beth and I have been friends for years, have gone through a recovery program together, and when I wanted to start a podcast, she was the only name that came to mind as co-host. I didn't hesitate to say yes, because I've learned a lot from honest conversations with Steph over the years. We value honest conversations, and we hope you do too. That's why we do this, and why we want you to be part of what we're discussing today. On today's show, we're going to have an honest conversation titled The Scars of a Lifelong Illness with our special guest, Daniel. Hi, Daniel. Welcome. Hi, how are you guys doing today? Good, thanks. Doing good. Then we will invite you to reflect on the conversation in your own life with questions for reflection. And the show will close with Slice of Life. And if you wonder what that is, stay tuned until the end. So we have Daniel on as our guest today. And um, you have wanted Daniel to be a guest since pretty much the first conversation we ever had about having a podcast, which would have been years ago, a couple of years ago Mm -hmm. at this point. Um, Why? Why did you want Daniel to be first? <laughs> oh, because he's the best. So have the first, have the best for first. It's um, now on record. It's on record. <laughs> yeah, I should stop true. recording. Yeah, <laughs> I can't believe I said that. Uh, so Daniel and I actually, we go way back. We've been friends for ten years. I think so now. Yeah, since, uh, I yeah think about ten about years. Twenty ten is, yeah. is uh, when I started working. And at we're Apple. in great twenty twenty. So yeah, <laughs> it's been a, yeah. it's been a great ten years, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Great, great celebration. So you were actually on my team at Apple. You came uh, a couple years after me and we, you were on the creative team and I was lead creative. Yeah. My whole, whole goal of joining uh, Apple was to become a part of the creative team. So I guess you could say I joined Apple. So Stephanie could be my boss. To be on my team. I think that's the reason. That is amazing. (laughs) That that makes perfect sense. And for a time it looked like he wasn't going to get to be our first male guest because we actually had another person lined up. But then what happened? Yeah, so he we've been good friends ever since Apple and he we have like really deep conversations and just like me and you, Beth, which is why we started a podcast. And so I always wanted to have him on the podcast, but I never knew what for exactly because there's so many things we can talk to him about. I always wanted him to be the first male guest, but then we actually scheduled uh, another male guest before him and that male guest got coronavirus. So I don't Yikes. know if there's any connection. <laughs> I don't know if Daniel made that I gave happen. It to him. I don't know, but... Anyways, he got knocked out and <laughs> Daniel is in his place. It was it was a corona hit. He's okay. I just want to say he's he fine. is rescheduled. He yes. doesn't have coronavirus anymore. He is safe, but um he is busy with work and so he will be on our podcast in the near future and he'll be our second male guest. And as it worked out, it's just that everything has worked out the way that it was supposed that, to. That it was supposed yeah. to, the way that you kind of had envisioned it from the beginning yes. that we would actually invite Daniel to be here in our podcast studio yes. with us in person. Thank and you for making a drive because I know it was a big drive for you. Yeah, about four hour drive, but I would have driven that eight hours, 16 hours to be on this podcast with Aww, you guys. I'm honored. Thanks. And thanks. just so you know, we will put a picture of this because it's pretty impressive. We are safely uh, doing the podcast. We have yeah. uh, plexiglass between all of us. Um, and sort of. Sort of. It, well, it, there's a barrier between and all of us. Plexi plastic. Uh, well, there's a plexi. Yeah. Anyways, well, there'll be a picture. It's better to see it in person than <laughs> you just got to see this, folks. You just got to see, just it. Gotta see but it. But it's done safely. We are being as safe as we can. And we talked about a couple uh, a while back. We talked about Max, who is a greyhound that was staying with me. And Daniel is Max's dad. 
and Max is here and we're so excited to have all we have so we have three humans and two greyhounds in the podcasting studio I have referred to someone as my bro before on the show Uh, I think so if I haven't edited it out I don't know but um, can't edit me out of existence. I will not. We'll put that in the words we use, which yeah. is a, which is a file that we've been keeping. Yes, uh, that you can get on our website daspod.us. Exactly. So Daniel and I are good friends, but I also consider him like a brother, We're and family. so like family. Exactly. And so I call him bro a lot, and kind of he's like my adopted brother. So the title for today's episode is The Scars of a Lifelong Illness. And I just got to say, Daniel, you look fine. What's wrong with you? Thanks so much. Uh, (laughs) Should I start at young childhood or my mental issues or? Yeah, we want to cover all of it today. So you start where you're comfortable. This is going to be a very long podcast. Guys, strap in. I hope you're on a long road trip. This is what I said. I didn't know what to have him on for because there's so many things we could talk to him about. But today we have a specific topic and we have hidden it within our title. We are ready to learn, Daniel, what is your illness that we can't see? So when I was 25, I was diagnosed with type one diabetes. That sounds very inconvenient. Uh, it is, it is. Yeah. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a rather interesting uh, set of events that led to that uh, and uh, ones that the doctors still don't even really know how to classify. So uh, they basically said, uh, we have no idea why you got it, you just did. So it was something that occurred over a long period of time. And it could have been my diet, could have been stress related, could have been some other external factor, could have breathed in the wrong pollen. I don't know. Just It could have been anything that led to this. Uh, but type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune disorder in which my white blood cells do attack my pancreas instead of protecting it, uh, which prevents my body from producing insulin, which is uh, completely different than type 2. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But the warning signs for it were so unnoticeable until they all compounded together. It would be little things like driving down the road and road signs were a little fuzzier than normal. Then there were some other things like I'd be taking a shower and I'd, I'd be uh, drying my hair off and I'd get a little dizzy. Then I started, so I'd have to get up in the middle of the night and pee and that was really weird. Uh, so eventually all these things kind of compound, compounded together and I did a quick Google search Oh, oh, oh no! Oh, yes, Google. which which I usually tell people to stay away from. Yeah, when yeah. my wife was pregnant, she was googling mm-hmm. all her little symptoms with pregnancy, right. and all of them came back. You have cancer or some mm. rare disease that's incurable that there's only been three cases of in the world, and you know uh, Google's not a good doctor. It's a terrible doctor. It's a very depressing doctor. So I Google it, uh, and it had sixty something million results for diabetes oh wow and so i'm like crap (laughs) my mom is type 2 diabetic Mm. which is different and i don't have type 1 because my mom has diabetes it's completely separate Mm -hmm. i may get type 2 as i get older Mm. because my mom has it and it's passed down the female line uh, of the family and type 1 is completely unrelated so you said it's an autoimmune dis- disorder or disease. So is that I like mean- to use the term disorder because it's not a disease. Like it's not. It's just autoimmune. Yeah, I, I may be wrong there. Yeah, but it's your body reacting incorrectly. Yeah. So does that mean you're born with it? Like you had no. it, so it just developed. Just developed. And how did that Out happen? Out of the blue, I could have been breathing the wrong air that day. Stress, uh, diet. Uh, so there's a uh, you know it, one of the my theory for myself uh, personally is that my diet wasn't the greatest uh, at that time in my life. I would skip breakfast, have a small lunch, have a really big dinner. Mm. Now, when you do that, you know, your body's, your, your whole body's a muscle, right? There's muscles operating everywhere. 
uh, and you have to work it out regularly. You know, if you let it sit there and not do anything, and so my pancreas isn't doing any work at all for a majority of the day, and then all of a sudden gets slammed with uh, dinner with heavy carbs and you know pastas or pizza, something like that, and all of a sudden it's having to produce large amounts of insulin very quickly when it's been sl- basically sleeping all day. Uh, can, can fatigue it over time. And it can basically just say, well, forget you. I'm not working for you anymore. I thought you could only develop type. I thought you were born with type one and you could develop type two. You can get type type one anytime in your life. It's okay. uh, more uncommon uh, to get type one, you know, midlife mm-hmm. and later. It's typically something that will develop early on in childhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and which is just heart wrenching to me. So I am just going to, express my ignorance here because I just realized I don't really know what the pancreas does. So what does the pancreas do? It produces insulin. Is that it? That's its whole purpose? That's what it does. So it's yours like... Now, it may have other purposes that I'm (laughs) unaware of and I may be ignorant ignorant on that fact, but that's the only one that really matters to me. (laughs) That's the one that's at least relevant for our conversation today. It's very relevant to me. So why is yours just, you know, sleeping on the job? Like, what's the deal? Why is it not doing its job? My white blood cells are attacking the isolate cells that produce insulin. So, so my, you have like a war inside of you. Yeah, yeah wow. pretty much. Yeah. And so at this point, my pancreas is probably 100% dead. Whereas mm. uh, in the beginning, uh, there's a honeymoon period, basically, where your body's still producing insulin, but it's being attacked. And mm. after a certain point, it's unrecoverable. Um, oh. And even that early on, it's still pretty much unrecoverable. It's, uh, it's very difficult to, I, I would say, impossible to reverse type 1 diabetes. So how do you know, since you developed it at 25, you said, mm-hmm. how did they know you had type 1 and not type 2 because you developed it later on? Like, what's the difference? So when, uh, you know, obviously, you know, Googled, uh, the, you know, the fate for the rest of my life, uh, I went uh, to my mom's house and uh, checked my blood sugar and it was extremely high. It was uh, 630, which may not mean. It sounds oh, high. It sounds That's high. high. Uh, so just to kind of put it into perspective, uh, if you are not diabetic, your blood sugar is going to average between 80 and 120 on the high end. So mm. that means if you just devour a big, sweet, delicious dessert, you may be closer to the 120 mark, and then your body's producing insulin that's going to lower that number over time. I went in with 630. And so they immediately admitted me to a hospital room. Oh, wow. With that blood sugar, because that's that's dangerously yeah. high. And being low is, is bad, mm-hmm. too. And both of them can land you in the hospital. And so I was in the hospital for four days, and I hate needles to mm-hmm. begin with. It was uh, just that experience alone. It hadn't hadn't hit me yet. Um, But coming in there with a high blood sugar like that is, okay, this is diabetes. Uh, And it's most likely type one due to the fact that there is, my body's not correcting downward. Mm. So type two, your body's still producing insulin. It may not be producing enough or it's not as sensitive to it. When I think of it, I think type two is something that people develop from bad eating habits. And type one is something that people are born with and it's not something that they really caused. It just kind of happened. Is that accurate? That is. Um, there's something I'd like to add to the type two uh, message as well, because it's not just through bad eating habits. It's also can be hereditary. Mm. So it can be passed on. Expand on that a little bit more. What is insulin? Why is your body produce it? What's its point? So as anytime you eat food, you eat uh, carbs or sugar. All that gets broken down, well, not the sugar because it's already sugar, but all that gets, uh, the carbs get broken down into sugar. So your body takes that and breaks it down into sugar, which is then dumped into the bloodstream for distribution. Once it's in the bloodstream, insulin is that bridge. It's that, that, that corridor that allows 
the sugar to pass from the bloodstream into the muscles where it's then used as energy. So anytime you run, do any activity, you're thinking, your brain uses a lot of sugar. The insulin is responsible for converting that sugar into something that the muscles can use and your brain can use. So sugar is very important. And it sounds like insulin is very important. Insulin is crucial. Yeah. Because without mm-hmm. that, it's it's like cutting the fuel line in your car. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure, you got fuel in the tank. But without the fuel line leading to the engine, the car is not going to run. It's a very man analogy. Thank you. Yes. I, I got to bring some of that testosterone <laughs> onto your podcast. So that's that's kind of the basis for the purpose of insulin. And having an imbalance of sugar in your bloodstream that's not being utilized correctly by the muscles uh, can lead to some negative results. So is some, is this something that you have to be aware of like on a daily basis? Your hourly an hourly basis. So hourly. So what, what is your, what, what does each hour look like for you? My body is in constant flux and it needs to find that balance that non-diabetics get on a regular basis. Their body is analyzing the amount of sugar in the bloodstream and producing the correct amount of insulin to counter that. For me, however, my sugars go up and down. There's a lot of things that can cause that. It's not just diet. It's not just food. So if I, you know, obviously if I have a packet of sugar, it's going to hit my system really quickly and my blood sugar is going to go up. Stress can also cause it to go up or down. Uh, Different environmental factors can cause it to go up and down. So anytime I eat food, I have to be aware of what I'm eating, how many grams of sugars are in there or how many grams of carbs. If it contains protein as well, because protein changes that number, it reduces the amount of carbs and sugars that your body is uh, actually taking on. And then I have to run calculations because my body is, uh, has a certain level of sensitivity to carbs and sugar, as well as a certain level of sensitivity to the insulin uh, that I need to take in order to reduce the sugars in my system and allow my muscles to use as energy. So it's very complicated. Uh, yeah. And luckily, they, they have uh, some great devices. I've got a, um, a device called a PDM, uh, which is a uh, insulin pump. Uh, which I have on my on my hip. I wear that on my hip, and I have to change it every three days. And what that does is it delivers a little bit of background insulin throughout the day. helps to lower it overall, but every time I know I'm going to eat food, I need to first check my sugar. I do that by pricking my finger. You do that before every meal? Before every meal. Wow. Not okay. just that, but also throughout the day as well. So this morning, I, 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 I skipped breakfast, <laughs> which is not good, but mm-hmm. I skipped breakfast. I uh, got in the car, drove up here, and along the way, I had to take insulin, even though I hadn't eaten. And it's just different. Invi- I have to check my blood sugar throughout the day, so I may check it six, you know, six to eight times a day, typically. Is your body like more fragile than our bodies? Yes. Like, are you more susceptible well, to things than we are as well? Like, could you more get- susceptible to. So I've got a compromised immune system. Mm-hmm. I get sick a lot more often. So mm-hmm. I, I've always had a very good immune system growing up, and. I would rarely get sick. I mean, it was it was once in a blue moon I'd get sick. Now, um, anytime there's a flu going around or something like that, I'm pretty much guaranteed to pick it up. Mm-hmm. And my body's like, "All right, cool, yeah, come on over here, virus, hang out, and hang out in here. Mm-hmm. It's nice and warm." Immune compromise, or what do you? Yeah, immune compromise. Mm-hmm. So, like, I've been hearing that a lot with the coronavirus. Is people are like, "I'm, you know, I can't go out. I have to be really." smart because I'm immune compromised. So mm-hmm. you are one of those people you yep. are at high risk. Yep. And so that means that, you know, if people aren't being smart around you, you could get it from, from people that are not being responsible. Correct. And are you, has it changed your 
um, your lifestyle during, I mean, everyone's lifestyle has obviously changed mm-hmm. during coronavirus, but has that changed? Do you make decisions based on the virus now? I try not to leave the house mm. unless it's absolutely necessary. Uh, my daughter's going back to school face to face. And that was a really, that's a, that's a big decision yeah. for us because wow. it increases our exposure risk. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but we also had to weigh it to the, the negatives of keeping her home for one. I can't work because I'm, she's in kinder or first grade now she just went to first and grade. you work from home and I work from yeah. home. And so I won't be able to do my job to earn money for our family. If she stays home, uh, if she goes in, uh, they are, you know, practicing social distancing and, and the face masks and everything like that. And the capacity for the schools uh, in Florida are about 30% face to face. So it's even reduced further. There's a chance that she could get it, but it's smaller than if we went to like a theme park or, you know, obviously we're, we're avoiding as much as possible, but it's impossible to avoid everything. Yeah. Uh, I have considered getting a, uh, one of those hamster, those inflatable hamster balls <laughs> oh, that can yeah. just roll around. Oh, yeah, your own bubble. Yeah, like I think that'd be great. You can like, just I'm put not her in that. Though. About that. Yeah. she would love that. Yes. <laughs> she would have a ball. She would have a ball. Oh, ball. that was so pun. Oh, puntastic. <laughs> so, well, that's interesting. We're talking about your daughter. Is she aware of your diabetes? Does she yes. kind of know? When I first got it, I was, obviously she wasn't born yet, right? So she's just kind of grown up around it. So there's never really any major conversations about why daddy got it or anything mm-hmm. like that, but she's very well aware of it. And she's, she takes care of me so Aww. well. Uh, she'll bring me um, uh, food. So she'll bring me candy every now and then say, daddy, if your blood sugar gets low, Aww. here's some candy. <laughs> and it's just, it, yeah, it feels so good when she does that. Kind and of she stuff. knows that you have, that you wear the pump. Yep. yep. Yeah. She knows about the pump. Uh, she's uh, helped me put it on. Uh, before I've showed her, the, you know, the shots and the, the finger pricks and stuff like that. And so she's seen the whole routine and understands it. And it's just kind of, it's part of her life. She's grown up around it. So, so you've, you've mentioned shots. So like you were saying on your drive up here, you had to check your blood sugar. Right. And so then there's some reading that you get that lets you know, Oh, I need insulin. Mm-hmm. And so then you have to give yourself a shot of insulin. Is that what happens? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, like I said earlier, with uh, people that don't have diabetes, your your blood sugar range is between eighty and one hundred twenty. So the device I have, I prick my finger. Uh, there's a little droplet of blood. I put that on the sensor, and then it tells me what that number is. And so if it's above, basically, if it's above one hundred fifty, then I'll typically correct. I'll give myself some insulin to lower it. So you need insulin to lower the blood sugar, but you need sugar to raise your blood sugar. So, so that's what she was saying. Like if your blood sugar was low, was a low number, she gave you the candy to yep. bring it up. Yep. Interesting. High versus low is two completely different mm. feelings uh, mm. for one. So high blood sugar, as I said, I get hot, I get irritable. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a pleasant person. Oh, so what are the signs when it's low? Your body is basically preparing for a coma. Being low, your body is shutting down organs to protect itself. And what it does wow. is, is, is preserving the sugar that's left mm-hmm. in your body for your brain because your brain is the central nervous system of your body yeah. and it helps you know, tell everything what to do. So it's conserving what is left of the sugar in your body and sending it to the brain and shutting down everything else mm. that it deems to be unnecessary. The most interesting thing about it, which really freaks me out, when my blood sugar is low, I can't make decisions. Mm. I also oh, start dumping sweat. I get shaky. So it gets kind of hard to walk. But the decision making thing is the weirdest thing I've ever experienced in my life. It's so bad that you could literally hand me a cup of arsenic and a cup of water and say, 
oh, you're thirsty? Which one would you like? And I cannot tell you. Mm. I can't. Mm. And that was one of the biggest challenges that my wife and I faced when I first started experiencing low blood sugars. She'd ask me, what do you need? How can I help? Mm. I can't tell you. Mm. I could literally be looking at the solution directly in front of me and I would not be able to say I need that. Wow. It's a weird experience for for because decisions are something that we make every single mm-hmm. day and it's not a problem, but to not be able to make a decision, especially when the answer is obvious. That's interesting, I guess, because your brain needs the sugar in order to really be able to function. function then you just you lose that ability when you're experiencing very low sugar. Yeah, no critical thinking. Yeah. So you said that you could develop type two diabetes as a result of it being part in being in your family. Mm-hmm. So what would that look <laughs> yeah, like? Yeah, what does that would look you like? Be like? I have type three because I have type one plus type two. Like super bees. She knows math. She's a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh yeah. What would that look like? Yeah, yeah. So my body's not producing insulin, so then I have to take insulin uh, ex- externally, uh, and then. Uh, I have to um, take more insulin because my body is not going to be as sensitive to the insulin I'm taking. Mm-hmm. So it requires even more insulin to counter that. So it's it's a nasty so little combo. how will you know if you have type 2? I have calculations, right? So I, I, I kind of know, all right, if I eat 15 grams of carbs, my blood sugar is going to go up about 65 points. And then I also know that, okay, for every 10 points my blood sugar goes up, I take one unit of insulin. Right? Mm. So there's a strong calculation. Now that changes over time, depending on the time of year. Uh, it can kind of fluctuate as well, which is really interesting. Temperature can cause that to change. So it may not always be the same calculation. So it's something I always have to kind of keep an eye on. Is the insulin, you know, is this this amount of insulin putting me back in range where I need, need to be? If it changes dramatically, down my uh, left side is typically where I put my insulin pod. So there's, I've got uh, external physical, uh, visible scars, uh, mm. as well as um, like where the a lot of internal in? scars as well. Like where uh, the needle goes in, there's actual scars? So there's a, a canella uh, that's attached to my insulin pod, and it's basically a little tube. Mm. And so oh. each time I put it on, it has to punch that through my skin. It <laughs> kind of feels like somebody taking a thumbtack and just Ooh. jamming it in and out. <laughs> it's not very pleasant. And you do that how often? Every few every, days? Every three days. Yeah, you're constantly thinking about it. this. is something you don't yeah. you don't stop thinking about. Um, I even you know, and thinking about it at two o'clock in the morning if my blood sugar drops and it mm. wakes me up and I have to uh, eat. Uh, I'll typically get like a spoonful of honey and peanut butter, mm-hmm. uh, and that kind of helps uh, get it up fairly quickly. And I just have to sit in bed and wait till the the panic uh, of my yeah. body trying to go into coma mode mm. uh, cools down. And so sometimes that takes an hour, hour and a half. So I lose sleep a lot, a lot of times if that happens in the middle of the night. Wow! And I think the the worst the worst part was really when I first came to terms with diabetes and what it what it is. And uh, this is you know when I was twenty five, so I still had that sense of invincibility. You know, I'm invulnerable to to life and and what it can throw at me. I can handle everything. All of a sudden, my body's broken, mm-hmm. and going from feeling invincible to my body has failed me. I now looked at my body not as not as a, a positive vessel that that helps me achieve things, but something that has betrayed me. It's now turned against me, and there was no reason why it happened. So that makes it harder mm-hmm. to come to terms with and understand because you're always asking that question: What could I have done different? Yeah, and I had no answer for that. I also felt like I was letting my family down, which is a weird thing to consider as well. Because now I'm creating a whole nother burden mm. 
for my family. And this is before Scarlett was even born. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just talking about my wife, mm-hmm. right? Um, I've created a whole new burden, whole new set of expenses. Um, uh, my life, who knows what my life is going to look like later in life? You know, am I going to lose a toe? I'm going to lose a, you know, organ is, is like, am I just looking at basically suffering a kind of a crappy end of life? Um, which she'll have to go through with me as well. And I think that was probably the first time I cried since watching Lion King. It sounds like you felt like you were damaged goods. Yes. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I, I felt less valuable because mm. it's just, it takes, it takes a lot out of you. It takes a lot of energy. Your brain is, if you think about a computer, I know Steph can get this reference. Mm-hmm. Beth, mm-hmm. I'm not quite so sure. Yeah. Yeah, can we talk know. windows? Oh, yeah. I could get it then. <laughs> Never. <laughs> so if you're, if you're on a computer and you give a it a, a Mac, yep. And you give it, you, you give it a task to do, you know, you've got a hundred percent of your, your processing power that you can use. Uh, if you tell your computer to do something like edit photos, of course, that's what I pick, uh, <laughs> browse the internet, right? It's going to use a certain percent percentage of that, um, the total overall processing power. So if you think of managing diabetes as a process, and so your mind is always on it. You're always thinking about it. You're always considering what meal I'm going to have. Uh, just driving up here was a pain. Yeah. Uh, there's not many places I can go that aren't going to, uh, that I can get straight up just protein. Mm. Uh, honestly, the keto diet is one of the best things uh, a type type one diabetic can, can have. Mm. It makes it a lot easier managing all that. But just finding a place. So I stopped at Panera Bread and basically got one of their sandwiches without the bread. My blood sugar still is going up. I can feel it mm. uh, because... You know, maybe the sauces they used in it or something. Just having salad dressing has a lot of sugar. Mm. So everything you consume is probably going to affect your blood sugar in some way. Is there anything else that, um, you know, you really feel is kind of like a, a scar that you carry around because of diabetes? The way people talk to me. Interesting. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. So when somebody talks about diabetes, first thing they think of is type 2 diabetes, mm. right? And there's some real nasty connotations that go around type two diabetes, uh, which, you know, some, some are, are honest and truthful, um, you know, diet and exercise, stuff like that. People that don't do that, you know, may have, you know, gained a lot of weight are going to be more susceptible to type two. And that's what most people think of when they think of type two is, oh, my old, you know, old overweight grandma has got type two. And so the first thing everybody says to me when, when, uh, when I tell them I've got type type one diabetes is, oh, you don't look fat. Hmm. out of the diabetics type ones are the minority Mm. Uh, and everything revolves around type 2 diabetes Uh, doesn't really revolve around type 1 diabetes and so it makes it challenging just uh, kind of uh, correcting people's perception of it uh, because I get some really not to be mean but stupid questions about certain things what's a stupid question and how many stupid questions have we already asked today right (laughs) so many so many no (laughs) You guys are asking questions. That's mm-hmm. the big thing. Uh, one of my favorite That's ones is it. anytime I go out to eat somewhere mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I'm with people that know I'm diabetic and I order something that has a little bit of sugar in it, mm-hmm. perhaps, because you know what? I'm eating out and this is my reward. You still got to reward yourself. I eat keto 99% of the time. If I go out, I'm going to risk having a little high blood sugar for a couple hours because I need that treat. Anytime I order anything, that looks like it's got any kind of sugar in it. The first thing out of everyone's mouth is, "Are you sure you should be eating that? Don't don't order that. Don't let him. Oh my order, gosh, don't I let have one hundred percent said that. I have to one hundred percent do that. So you can say that this is none of our business. But having 
a device that you have to wear all the time that you have to change every three days that you have to have this, you have to have insulin, you know, you have to have probably additional doctor's appointments. That sounds really expensive. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I have to have a doctor's appointment and have my blood drawn every six months. Uh, that's with an endocrinologist. And you mentioned that you were worried you would be like a financial burden for mm-hmm. your wife, yeah. right? So how are you dealing with that? Uh, well, let me let me expand a little bit more on the cost. Yeah. Uh, so the insulin pods are um, before my insurance kicks in. Uh, we basically pay two thousand dollars a year. So that's what our deductible is. So we pay two thousand dollars a year. So it's it's nine basically nine hundred. Hi Mac. Uh, the pods basically come out to 900, like if I were to buy them outside of insurance is $900 for a three month supply of pods. Uh, then there's another device that I usually have. I don't have it right now due to, uh, insurance fund stuff. Um, but it's called the, uh, it's the Dexcom GCM continuous glucose monitor. And what that does is it's another, another device I wear with a little wire that sticks in my side and it constantly reads my blood sugar. So anyways, that's, that also is about $900 for three months. Supply. Okay. So now we're talking $1,800 yeah. $1, every three months plus doctor visits, um, plus cost of insurance. So it wasn't so bad in the very beginning. It was 450 bucks for the, for the, for our family, uh, covered me really well with diabetes and covering the, the medical equipment, which is expensive. It covered that it covered the doctor visits, covered everything else. It was, it was fantastic. I think we paid like 50 bucks when we were 35 or 50 bucks whenever we'd go to the doctor. So that was great too. Uh, and then they made the change, uh, with the, um, the affordable healthcare act about bankrupted us. Hmm. Interesting. How Our, so? So that was right around the time that I stopped receiving benefits from Apple. Mm-hmm. You went, f- you went full time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you have your own company. Yes. And so you didn't have insurance through a, um, a business employer. Mm-hmm. employer yep. So it wasn't, yeah. I didn't have access to a grandfathered plan yeah. basically. I understand, you know, when you implement new programs, there's always trial and error. And, but one of the things I really appreciated about it was that you can't cancel insurance on uh, pre-existing conditions. Yeah. Uh, was not cancel, but, um, deny have, coverage. Yeah, you can't deny yeah. coverage. Thank you. Yeah. You can't deny coverage for pre-existing conditions. I thought that was a great, addition to the, to the bill. Uh, the pro, so I went straight on to, um, uh, affordable, affordable healthcare plan, uh, with their, the marketplace mm-hmm. and everything. And, uh, it was all right at first. Uh, the prices were good. Then, uh, six months later it changes what was covered before. There's now some small differences, like what's considered a medical device, I think changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it went up again, six months later. Uh, and eventually got up to $1,800 just for me. The deductible's high too. So we were now at the $2,000 deductible range and then the doctor visits and everything else. So now I've, I've become a massive financial burden on the family. And this was the very first time in our lives that we've ever had to take government help skyrocketed. And there's no reason it was $450 for the entire family. Everything was fine. And now it's $1,800. It didn't make any sense, but we couldn't afford it. Uh, it was either that or we off bankruptcy, but we still have to pay these, uh, insurance. So it was, it was very, very, very rough. And it was a lot of, um, a lot of times I remember, uh, my wife crying, um, and I was on the verge of tears as well. And it, I felt terrible because it's, I'm causing this. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, I, so that, that shaped my opinion of, of that. Uh, and it's just on my, you know, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's done some great things for some people and so I kind of wonder if your experience with the Affordable Health Care Act would have been different if you had moved um, out of employer provided insurance before 
like if there had been more of a gap because our experience, like my personal experience with the Affordable Health Care Act is that we couldn't get insurance unless we created a two person company, which we did so that we could get group insurance. I see that. But then for once we had the Affordable Health Care Act, we could go on the marketplace. And even though we didn't qualify for a subsidy, we were still at least able to get insurance that way. And it is very expensive for us. I mean, as a family, we pay um, around $1,500 a month. So about $18,000 a year. And then we have a $10,000 a year deductible. So it is very expensive, but at least we have access to it. How's that second mortgage? Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, it's very expensive. No yeah. doubt about it. And it could, mm-hmm. it could be a completely different experience. I don't have that experience. I haven't lived in another state, um, uh, you know, during the affordable health care act, um, since it's been around. So I, I can't speak to that at all. And it could be that other states are better. And it could have been that the, uh, uh, the Florida mandates on 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 how it was approached uh, were the wrong approach. Um, I don't have enough information on that, but I can see that as a completely viable theory. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how it is different in other states. I hadn't thought about that. I have heard that is better, um, but it's also from people that are paying the twenty dollars a month and they're perfectly healthy and don't right it at all. Right, <laughs> so right. I'm like, uh, well, and, and I appreciate that your experience is not that it has been better. I mean, that, I think that's absolutely a valid reality. So one of the things that I always think of when I think of you, because this is like been my experience every time I talk to you, interact with you, is you're so positive. And it's always baffled me because it's like, I know this about you and I know the diabetes, I've heard all these things, and but it's always baffles me how positive you stay. In life, you stay so positive. How, 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 and can, can we bottle you up in a <laughs> pill form? That's is two questions. So I've always been positive, um, and that's the only way. I, that's that's my baseline, right? So I don't know how to be anything else, um, and so it's hard for me to understand what it's like to be anything else. Uh, when I got diabetes, it definitely affected me in a way that I've never experienced before. Like I've had, I've done some dumb things in life and had to pay the consequences. So I've had I've had some some real strifes that I've had to overcome uh, and challenges, and um, but when when hit this point where I felt like my body was broken. I, you know, this is the first time I've ever felt depression Mm. and I've had to battle that, but I always kind of revert back to my baseline of being positive. So I always find some way to look at it. That makes me laugh or, um, I guess maybe it's just my, uh, my sense of humor. Like Mm. I, I, I don't think there's anything that I can't laugh at, Mm. uh, which can get me in trouble sometimes, but, uh, my humor is kind of what gets me, gets me through challenging Mm -hmm. times. Um, and understanding that, uh, everything in life is relative. Even though this is the toughest thing I've ever gone through in my life, it's nothing like you just go back a hundred years in history and it's nothing. I mean, diabetics in a hundred years ago before insulin, they just died. Yeah. Uh, there was a hospital where kids went to die hmm. because they had diabetes Ugh. and it was the same hospital where insulin, uh, I believe they, they extracted it from pigs. Um, and that was the first time that was used. Wow, and hmm. and that hospital, which was basically a hospice for kids, a heartbreaking place where there's tons of despair and sadness, uh, went from that to kids are starting to wake up from these comas. Hmm. Wow, and and so to see that effect throughout an entire hospital wing, that would be of amazing. All these kids, I mean that that would have been, I mean as a parent, yeah, like I'm getting chills thinking about yeah. that. So, so I you know sometimes I think about that. You know, if I was born a hundred years ago, I'd be dead. Yeah, I wouldn't be around. Yeah. It's like hey. Cool. All right. That's so how it. do we, how do we bottle up your positivity? Like what is humor, like humor, well, laugh at so everything. That's the nugget. That's the, that's yep. the, that's the takeaway is to continue to find humor and just always trying to make a joke of things. Mm-hmm. 
Now it's time for questions for reflection. These are questions based on today's show that we have written, and Beth will uh, read them and leave a little pause between. And if you want to answer them to yourself right now, you can, or you can download a PDF on our website. And make sure you stay tuned for Slice of Life. Number one, are you or someone you know dealing with a lifelong illness? Do you have scars from that? Number two, do you struggle with health care? Have you thought about how our healthcare system affects people with pre-existing conditions? Number three, do you have any stereotypes around people with diabetes? How does Daniel's story challenge those ideas? And number four, do you tend to judge people for their illnesses? Why is that? Well, I do... That was perfect timing. I don't know if you heard that, but that was my lovely dog uh, letting us know she's still here. It's because I pet her. You, oh, did you acknowledge her existence? Well, it was perfect because I was going to say um, this will all be edited out. But midway through the, the podcast, I did get so much annoyance from Mac that I realized I need to feed her. So um, I did feed her halfway through and they had some kind of conversation that I will hear during the edit of what yes, they talked about. It'll be great. Maybe I'll, maybe it'll be edited in the episode. I don't know. It better be. It may be. I don't know if it was really good. If it was, we'll never know. I'll know. I'll know. <laughs> so, um, Daniel, when we have guests and we are honored that you are our first male guest, we are so bravo, excited. Bravo. Yes. Well done. Way to be male. Very good. And, uh, we where, do, where do I mark my territory around here, by the way? <laughs> uh, Max already did outside. It's oh, cool. Okay. And then Mac, marked over that and then max again it was great it was great well it's good for him to get some props for being you know a man because that probably never happens in that's society true. or culture so we want to make sure that we give that's you all true. the props that you i do deserve. can i hear it one more time <laughs> good job man good job way to represent uh, way to represent the males i feel um, better now i do want to say actually we are going to have him on for two more episodes that we've already planned we haven't recorded them yet we're going to record them um in the near future but we have two more episodes because like i said i couldn't decide what to have him on for because there were so many good things to talk uh to him about so daniel we've had this whole conversation with you about your lifelong illness but I realize we haven't talked about what your profession is, and it's not super important, obviously, to diabetes, but um, I think it's really cool. So I wanted you to quickly share, what do you do, Daniel? Uh, so I am a, a commercial photographer, as well as a uh, commercial videographer, and a survival filmmaker, Ooh. where we go out in the woods and film our experts, and they teach you how to do all these uh, these skills and crafts, and we, we, we go through and we find the best experts for those, and we've got over 30 hours of... Uh, edited content that's concise and straight to the point and packed with skills that you can learn to help you survive out in the woods. Very, very cool. Well, I already knew that, but I wanted everyone else to know how cool you are. Um, and then we always stuff. like to ask a question of our guest. And um, so I'm going to, I'm going to have Beth ask it. Go for it, Beth. So what book TV show or podcast are you super excited about right now? Besides this podcast. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. That was the right answer. Besides the podcast. Yes. Besides our podcast, obviously. Uh, let me see. So a book I, I read recently that I really liked. Uh, it is super dark. It's like. You can, I, you I can have, just like what you like without. Yeah, any, no, like, I, I love it. I've got no problem with that. But I'm just warning anybody who might decide to pick up the book uh, and give it a read. It's extremely dark. Just be prepared for it. It's it. I liked it because it affected me in, in on levels that I didn't expect. Um, it's called dark matter. It's a sci-fi book basically about somebody who, um, he gets shifted into alternate, uh, parallel, parallel dimensions. 
and so he experiences things that are very similar but different. Uh, relationships are different. Uh, the way you, you know, way people interact is different. And then his he starts running into other copies because another uh, another him in another parallel universe did the same thing he did, and so there starts to be more parallel copies of him roaming around these different parallel universes. That sounds super confusing. It, it's, <laughs> it's amazing. It's done in a very simplistic way. Uh, so it's easy to easy to understand when you're reading the book. Um, I do. I actually have been reading something really dark too that I didn't really want to talk about, but now that you said that um, it's, it's kind of really dark, but um, and it gets darker as like it continues, yes, but that's how this one is. Yeah. Um, so it's actually called, um, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. <laughs> oh my God! Yes, that gets. I mean, it the, gets darker guys, as you go on, right? There, there, no there, joke. Yeah, there's a dark sorcerer who's literally embedded himself in the back of somebody's head. I know. It's very don't dark. give away yeah. the ending. Don't give it away, but it's very dark. And that, and that, that thing, the head that's in there, that becomes a full fledged person throughout the whole series of the book. Wait, I thought you said you were just reading it. No, I'm rereading it. Oh, rereading um, it. Yes, for, because for I. Which time? I, oh, who knows? Um, but it's very dark. So I, I don't like to talk about it too much because I don't want people to, you know, get freaked out. Yeah. Yeah. Think um, I'm like do, a do wizard you, or something. I mean, but since, I am you, since you brought that up, do you have any uh, recommended uh, therapists uh, that you can offer the listeners now that they're scarred? I just recommend you don't read Harry Potter unless you want some really dark entertainment. So I love Harry Potter. I didn't consider it dark at all. Do you oh, think I'm being serious right now? Oh, okay. I, he was serious about his book being I dark. Know. But when you saw before he said the name of it, the whole thing I was thinking, this would be so funny if he says Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, the problem is Steph and I can go down a joke line, yeah. but be completely serious yeah. about it and see who breaks first. Yes, so it's a sorry. I broke. You broke. You you're I like broke. you're like, but it's Why not that bad. Dark. <laughs> and I was like, there is a sorcerer in the back. Like he does become a real like what's going on? I'm yeah. sorry, Beth. <laughs> well, I'm reading a book called The Vanishing Half, and it's fascinating it's complete fiction but it's about african-american twins in the 1960s who live in louisiana and they are very light-skinned and one of them they one of them decides she's going to live as a white woman they leave home and then one day she just doesn't come home to her, the apartment that she was sharing with her twin sister and the oh. twin sister continues to live as an african-american huh. person oh, wow. and but then so wait, is this desert. a real story? No, no, it's total fiction. Oh, okay. No, it's total fiction. It's total fiction. But it's, wow. I was hoping it was real. I know. That, that's it's, one of those like true stories. You're like, man, that's, that's crazy. Right, that would that's be crazy. So cool. Yeah. Wow. But it's really interesting just to see how the author deals with their different lives in in that parallel way um, wow. through the through the 60s and 70s. And I'm I'm not all the way done, so I'm not exactly sure how far it'll go. But so Daniel, where can people find you? Are you on Twitter? Are you on social media? Is your is your business? What's your online? home address? <laughs> no. uh, we're on we're on uh, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And though I absolutely abhor uh, social media, uh, I don't typically do the posts. My business partner does the posts, and he's the virtue one that virtue signaling. We're gonna have an episode about that. <laughs> How is that virtue signaling? Exactly. We need to find out. We are gonna do a podcast episode about that because I am very intrigued as well. I find it toxic. You'll learn. You'll learn it about it in our episode. Cool. I can't I wait. I will learn too. Uh, and so you can find us on there. It's uh, just search for uh, the Survival Summit. Uh, we've got a website, the Survival Summit dot com, and uh, yeah, uh, we're also on YouTube. 
as well. Uh, you can find a lot of our content on YouTube. So if you want to preview what our, our films are like uh, a little further than just what you'll find on our, our website has the trailers for our films. So you can check that out. Uh, but you can see actually some of the chapters from the films on our YouTube channel. Well, thank you, Daniel, so much for coming today. We are so excited to have you. And I can't wait to edit the two hour episode into 45 <laughs> minutes. This is gonna be fun. You can do it. You can do it. I can do it. I'm excited. A lot of fixing and post. And we can't. Yeah, thank you. And we can't wait to have you on again for two more episodes in the future. When that will be, I don't know. It's on our schedule. Stay tuned. <laughs> so this has been the Discovering Our Scars podcast. Thanks for joining us.